Well, hello, everyone. It is Garrett Marigut. I'm so excited to be with you today. We are going to have a special guest. We are joined by Maria Weda. She is a world-class copywriter for B2B SaaS companies, and we're ha happy to have you. Say hi to the camera, Maria. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on, Garrett. Awesome. Well, excited to be with you today. Um, before we get started, maybe can you tackle the idea for everybody of what copywriting means in 2020 and maybe kind of bring us up to speed when we say copywriting like what does that mean in your mind uh these days yeah uh these days it's all about taking the product or innovative idea you have and sharing it with your clients in a way that makes sense is appropriate and actually gets them just as excited about it as you are i love that i love that so I sometimes get like, I don't know if it's classical or what, but have you ever read like Confessions of an Advertising Man, like some of the stuff Ogilvy did? Mm -mm. Okay, so a lot of, you know, my thoughts of copywriting, and it's weird where we got to today, is back, in the, back then, right, when you did an ad, you had a copywriter write the ad. The ad was like a landing page, very informative, like copy sold. So you'd see these like ads full of copy, like describing the yeah. product. Do you do any type of like copywriting these days to support advertising? Like, is that something that copywriting is associated with or how does that go? I write blog posts, which is typically classified under content marketing. But the reason why I as a copywriter do them is because I know a lot of the time content marketing isn't optional anymore, especially with Google and SEO and everything. And they're made to be both a marketing tool and a sales tool, in my opinion, at least the good ones are. So that's my perspective on it. I love it. I love it. Now, this is sour and sass. And so before yes. we go any further, do you have your sour candy? I do. Right oh here. Goodness. Let me get in view of camera. Sourful oh, no. spearheads. Spearheads. Okay. <laughs> I have the warheads. So we both have heads. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> Are you nervous? Are you ready? Do you do sour candy? Yeah. Like I never, I only do it on this show. So like once I like a week. I sour candy, but I'm still scared. <laughs> okay, good. Let's see. Ready? I'm going to do two. Okay. All right. You're doing two? You're making me look mm -hmm. bad. Oh my God. <laughs> Get on my but, level, Garrett. <laughs> I know. Seriously. Okay, mm -hmm. so we, everybody kind of has a blog these days. So like mm -hmm. when I started directing like seven years ago, it's always so sour. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> blog post was like 300 words, and it was just like barf on a page. And it was like, write mm -hmm. a blog post, the keywords, and we rank. So mm -hmm. now as we're going into, I think, a much more informed content marketer who gets – I think the average knowledge of SEO has drastically increased over the last three to five years. Absolutely. So what's your take on research? And so that's what I mean. When people are doing blog content, do you believe, where do they start? Do they start with the keyword research? Do they start with the brand? Do they start with the audience? Like, where do they start? So I believe that where you start with your mm. content, really, at least strategically, like from a strategy standpoint, you look at somebody and say, hey, this is what we want our blog to accomplish. And I found that like content marketers go to audience and SEOs go to keyword research. And like, there's like these crazy things. What do you think is the best way of doing it? Mm, um, for me, it starts with the goals, really. I mean, because that's, that's going to determine the entire research process workflow, like what you write about, how you write about it, 
So starting with your goals for the blog, the blog post that, and they have to tie back into your big picture business goals too. Sorry, just to hit me again. <laughs> you get like the oh, waves of like, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm making great faces right now. Um, yeah. So yes, so um, it really depends. I mean, if your goal is to rank higher in Google, if you want to be those first page results, the go-to resource, yes, you need to be focusing on keyword research first because you have to find that intersection between what is it my audience actually needs help with and what is challenging enough that it gets searched for keyword wise, but not oversaturated, of course. So kind of basic there. But if you were, if your goal is something a little bit more ambiguous, like perhaps just creating a place for entertainment or like you want to be the place where your audience fires up the computer, they have their coffee and it's the first thing they read before they even check their email. Then we're talking more about entertainment. And I think that type of research lends itself to, okay, what other genres of entertainment does your audience listen to? And that's more audience research space. So those are just a couple of examples, but yeah, I think, I think it all starts with the goals and then you go from there. Yeah, no, I love that. And what I think about a lot though, too, I think this is really interesting. I'd love to get your perspective on it is when you look at content influencers, like content that's widely influencing culture, that's really doing what we're trying to do with content. Like it's hitting a business goal, but it's also having an impact and influence on our brand. You can look at somebody like morning brew, right? Like world-class mm -hmm. newsletter, but zero, like zero SEO. But they're mm -hmm. literally a content company. On the other side, you can look at something like Barstool Sports, a content company, zero SEO. Right. And so what I've noticed is all the content, like business, McKinsey, they don't rank for nothing really. Right. So like mm. all the content I like isn't doing it for SEO. Mm -hmm. And as someone who sells SEO, it was kind of enlightening to me to see that you can almost like bastardize your content marketing strategy and process by elevating keyword research mm. too high in your strategy because it's like we're you start doing content for the wrong reason. So like Absolutely. how do we get content for the right reasons? Like how do we get content that builds an audience? How do we get content that drives community? How do we get content that drives brand? Because that's really what content's about about in its simplest mm -hmm. form like how do we do that and seo instead of seo and try to do that because i don't think you can do seo and then try to get that so how do you do audience brand content and then make it seo like what's that difference that people should be thinking about i think it's all about tone and the quality of the writing itself i mean we all know what an seo bot looking written post is that's clearly like we're just putting this on our website and stuffing right versus something that's just like kind of you describe really high quality content but there's kind of no you know seo results so i think in terms of the quality of the writing like the best advice i could give i'm like trying to think off the top of my head right now is like definitely think you know if you are your audience or you have a, if you're the writer and you have a really clear understanding of what the audience enjoys writing as if you are them or writing as if you are speaking to them i find that posts that perform really well for the stuff that i do for my clients is often has a tone of hey i'm a really informed friend taking you out for a cup of coffee i'm going to explain these high level concepts to you not in a way that's dumbing it down but in a way 
that's casual and informative at the same time. And that breeds a level of confidence, but it also brings up interesting information. Now, some companies, especially B2B, like you need to keep that professional tone. And that's something you can definitely incorporate depending on the words you use, the way you do your punctuation, et cetera. But in terms of finding that intersection, I think being able to be a good storyteller, um, speaking in a way that is friendly for your audience, like that coffee example I gave you. And also like, again, it goes back to understanding, like, what do people like? Like if you do have an, separate from what they're buying your product for, I think that's a big thing too. Like definitely have product promotional posts on your blog. That's very important. Have your calls to action, have your product features. All of that is great. But I think there should be at least 10% of your content. Ideally, again, depending on the goals, should be stuff that has outside interests involved or supports needs that are outside of what your product offers like a project manager maybe giving them tips on how to move up in their field and get a better job or however that works or on the other end if you have people who are interested in murder podcasts why not throw a fun like top 10 murder podcasts you haven't heard about yet post in there just depends but you get the idea like what you're saying now i think one of the things is I've seen B2B and myself do so wrong is we put professionalism on a pedestal. Right? Mm-hmm. So we go back to all the brands we like and the people we read, like they're professional because of how succinct they are at using their tone wisely, not yeah. because they have a professional tone. Yes. Like you get what I'm saying? Like the morning brew isn't professional, yet they're better than everyone else. That makes them professional. Like the design might like the layout's professional. Mm-hmm. The like the clarity of the writing's professional, but the copy itself. So like, how do you add, like think B2B companies can better define a tone so that you actually remember them or care about them? Like what do B2B companies need to think about when thinking about tone? I think probably one of the biggest things is figuring out what already exists in the marketplace as far as content created for them. And that includes content by competitors and content by educational resources that they're likely checking out anyway. So finding out first, what is the landscape of tone? Is it silly sketches that they post on YouTube and then write a little write up underneath and they're sharing that? Or is it like deep in-depth technical guides, downloadable guides, all that stuff. So finding what is the landscape of the content that's being offered right now? What se- and then going and looking at what seems to be working. And that requires a lot of back-end research about the competitor and their SEO and um, looking at trends right now, because depending on when their content is published and when it's popular, all that good stuff. So doing that back-end research and seeing, okay, what's performing best for the people who are doing the best job at this? And during that process, you can also look at your own likes and dislikes. Like what stands out to you? What are the top qualities you're seeing patterns across all of these different brands that I'm competing with? And on top of that, what do I like? So you have those kind of two lists going. And then finally doing doing the SEO research, figuring out, okay, um, what's most competitive right now? What are people missing? And where do I fill that gap? No, I love that. And I, I can't help but think though, so much of what we do in content marketing today that I see and, you know, I start with myself is like, compare we like mm. we go like oh they're doing it really good we do it oh skyscraper works for you we'll do it oh this <laughs> works we'll do it is there any room for people to be a pirate like is there any world like is there any <laughs> room left for like content market like, people because i just can't imagine the world needs another skyscraper like the world doesn't need like like right now the genuine honest to god like 
I'm on the speaker circuit and someone goes up on the stage and they're like, there's a post that has 18 reasons why. And then their recommendation is write 28 reasons why. Mm-hmm. And that's strategy. But to me, that's tactics and not strategy. So like, mm. how do we start to get strategic with our content and get away from just being tactical? Like, hell yeah, you need this many internal links. You need this many words. And we can talk about that later, but how do we get away from the, just like the tactics of trying to make a blog post rank to mm-hmm. trying to build an audience? Cause I think those are two entirely different goals. And, and what do you think these B2B SaaS companies should have? Should they just be trying to drive MQLs or should they be trying to build an audience? Like what, what do you think? Cause I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I know that they're correlated, but they're not necessarily in how you go about it. So what's your take there? Fair enough. Yeah. Um, on the pirate note, I will say there is that famous quote, steal like an artist. And I do think there's a bit of an artistic, there is an artistic element. I think writing, even copy, I think there is art to it. Um, but to answer your question, I think, you know, the biggest thing is bringing your own unique voice and personality to whatever you're doing. And that's on an individual level. And this is why you have to have creators on your team who have a strong sense of self that comes through copy. And I know that seems counterintuitive because we're talking about products, but this this is really where you're leaning on your team. Because again, yes, you see everything that's out there, you look at all the tactics, but you have to then find out where your expertise, your unique point of view, your unique experiences can be woven into those narratives and elevate them more. What's not being spoken about in this conversation? What needs to be highlighted? What stories are not being told that would actually really support the content that's already out there rather than just, all right, copy paste. That's the title we'll go with this week. Great. You know? Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, talking about titles, like how important are those? Like how long should people be thinking about spending time on their title? Like, is that way more important than we're giving it credit? Is it less important? Like where does writing titles kind of like how, how, like what should we be doing with that? I think that you should have a style guide for your titles. So you're, especially if you have a team of writers um, or if you hire someone like me, like I'm going to cr- be creating a consistent format. But um, I mean, I've, I've read writers who say like, you should be spending two hours creating your titles. And I'm like, oh, okay. So- sounds like a waste of your budget to me, but um, I think that they're important because you need to get interest, right? Um, and they're, they also, including keywords, you know, basics. Um, I don't think you need to spend all day on them. I think you need to know best practices and you need to do A-B testing. And one of the best ways is after you publish your article, especially sharing it via social media, um, and trying out what alternative headlines could be. And when you're doing your six month audit, one year audit, quarterly audit, depending, it's good to go back and look and see, okay, these posts that aren't getting as much click throughs as possible. However, they're in content categories that are really performing well for us. What if we go back and maybe adjust the title, maybe adjust the URL? That's more advanced SEO stuff. I'm sure some um, SEO auditors are probably like, what are you? Um, that's just my POV. Yeah, but I love I, it. I, so, yeah, you show up right mm-hmm. it's day one, and they're like, you know, Maria, what do you think we should do with their content? And they've been doing content, let's say, for three, five years. And mm-hmm. do you go through and update old blog posts, consolidate posts? Do you focus on new posts and kind of ignore the past? Kind of like where, if we're like, you know, showing up in a new and we show up as you know, content marketing manager, demand gen manager, day one, mm-hmm. and we want to build a content strategy. 
do we look to the past to figure out our future or we just kind of like forget the fast past and create a future from scratch like what's kind of your approach there with like repurposing content things like that yeah specifically with the services that i offer through the unicorn blog package what i like to do is go through existing content figure out what if you know getting access to analytics taking a look at what's working getting a good idea of where they've been and where they want to go and finding what that bridge is and creating a content plan from there. I do think that although I don't currently offer it, I might start offering it. I do think that ignoring the past is probably not a good idea, especially if you're already ranking on the first page results for certain keywords. Um, and doing an audit will help you figure out, okay, here's some posts that need to be updated, either longer, better information or whatever. That's something I can also help with both with identifying them and updating them and putting that on your calendar. In addition to new material for my package right now, I do focus on creating new material and getting you moving in that direction needed to go, creating that bridge between the old and the new. Um, because the only way you can do that is with additional content or updating old content. But I do think a holistic view is is probably going to get you the best results. I like that. And then so we show up day one tactics and all that stuff's going right. And we'll talk about that in a second. But KPIs, mm. what what should we be tracking to know if we're performing well? Like is are there leading indicators like traffic or social shares or like repeat visitors? What do you think is like that primary KPI that's just content centric? Like if people mm. are engaging, liking our content, business metrics aside, just content, like, well, what do you think is that number one thing we should be focused on? I think at least, I think my favorites are um, number of click-throughs, so people actually getting to the page and also time on page. Um, of course, if you have shorter blog posts, like 750 words or less, that time on page is gonna be different. But my goal when writing something is to write something interesting enough and informative enough that that person by the end, especially if it's their first time visiting, thinks to themselves, okay, this is really great. I wonder what else is on here. And then they go to the next post and go to the next post and go to the next post, just keeping them on and engaged. So in terms of KPIs, I think in just very generally that, um, but you're going to hear me sound like a broken record. I'm all about connecting it back to goals. So if you're trying to use your blog to build your social media accounts, if that's your next quarterly goal, great. Then we're going to be looking at those social KPIs. So, yeah. I love that. Okay. Now you talked a little bit about word count. Actually, first, mm -hmm. it's more sour candy time. Oh yeah, that's right. I already oh. my other one. How's that going for you? What flavors do you have going? I have, okay, so I'm doing like mango melon. And it's going, but oh my god, it's sour! Like really? So, oh my god, it's so sour! <laughs> I All think right, I looked out a little bit. I'm gonna put my phone down momentarily to reopen my bag that somehow closed. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think I looked out a little bit because this gauge. Uh, how do I get this in view? Is like yeah, no, this sour gauge is like yellow, but it could be red. So I didn't yeah. get the red. Whatever red, red but... is, this is red. <laughs> That's what you have. Okay. Right. Cheers. Let's do it. Cheers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you said something about seven hundred words. Yeah. A lot of people now are like fifteen hundred words is the blog post now. Mm -hmm. Or I'll be like two thousand. So it'll be like twelve fifty. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. Is there a word count that you're actually seeing work better? Should we ignore word count? How should we approach word counts? Word count matters, but it matters less than quality of post for sure. Um, you can have a 2,500 word post and still not rank as highly if there are other posts that are getting more click-throughs on the first page. We know that. Um, my standard is 1,500 words. I think that that does work well, regardless of the category. If you do a little, because I use SEO tools to kind of analyze, okay, what it, the commonalities between the first page results. And if I do see a trend of like, okay, it looks like the posts are really more than 2000 words for this or 2500 and that seemed there's a there's a correlation between the ranking and popularity versus that word count then i'll go okay you know what we need to beef this up a little bit with an interview or yeah. anything anything else that's going to make it stand out but that is when i think it's important there are sometimes you'll find like the top ranking posts are you know less than 750 words or like 300 words depending mm -hmm. um yeah. but i think like across the board regardless of what you're doing I really do. I am finding that the 1500 is pretty solid for all of my clients. So if someone, and you probably do this with all the time, it's something mm -hmm. I, I found very interesting is you get a software client mm -hmm. and they sell developers like many of them do. Mm -hmm. And they automatically assume that you can't write on their industry. Mm, that's fine. How fair <laughs> is that assessment? Can is there a way to learn a new industry and create content that works for their brand? Is that something where you have to stay out of technical industries? Like mm. what's your take on technical, like technical products, tech, people who sell to a technical customer mm. outsourcing content? Is that a good idea, a bad idea? I mean, obviously I think you might have your own perspective <laughs> given yeah. your business, but what have you found in all honesty? Full disclosure, you know, I, I'm obviously this is I'm the person you're outsourcing towards, so I'm going to be biased. But in my experience, if there's ever been a knowledge gap for me, um, the way to close that is speaking to the team um, and doing expert interviews. So I can always incorporate a POV from someone on the team or in your network who really, really knows what they're talking about. Um, also, I think if you have really good research skills, it's not that hard. So that's definitely something to consider. Um, I've been really fortunate. I'm trying to think of like, what's, what's like a takeaway someone else can use because, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I have gotten compliments on like, wow, this is your first time writing about this. Oh, that, that's as, you know, sounds like I wrote it. Um, and I've been in this industry longer than you. Um, so there is a little bit of having a knack for it as far as like applying that skill set. I think it's, you know, I also make a habit of following popular newsletters and blogs in that space so that I'm caught up on whatever those trends are anyway. So if I have a long-term client sign, like I'm going to be keeping up with their industry anyway, interviewing experts anyway. Um, and I mean, as long as you have someone on the content marketing team like reviewing the information, if if they do find a discrepancy of like, hey, actually, this piece of information might be outdated or I have a different perspective on it, that's fine. They just let me know, I work it in, and they approve it. I love that. Now, I, and this isn't to be anti-blog post. Okay. However, I'm waiting. I have seen that 
there can sometimes be like diminishing marginal returns on a net new blog piece compared to mm. functional content. So what I've found as I'm doing research, I'm working with a lot of SaaS companies, right? And we, we're doing these campaigns is that like if I'm working, let's say with an HR company and I could do a blog post for them or I could build mm. out a massive library of job interview templates and then directly mm. correlate job interview templates to the the product that has a feature related to job, you know, things like mm. that, then the functional content, like this kind of like product centric mm. content that I can do at scale, like resource hubs, like glossaries, um, templates, tools, things like that, I'm finding mm-hmm. are outperforming at an MQL level blog mm. post. Now, it requires more creative, more dev, depth, and scale. Design, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bigger campaign, but I'm driving more MQLs from that. I'm doing both for them, right? And I'm seeing that I'm driving more value out of this types of functional content. What's your take on like that high-level campaign-centric like build-out of like, you know, you're working with a DevOps client and then the biggest, largest list of free APIs or you know, like those kinds of, and they're more like you have custom hubs, there's dev work. It's all has like subfolders. What's your take on like functional content versus blog content, you know, going the rest of the year? Yeah, I think blog content can support functional content and vice versa. I love to see blog posts that have those downloadables, those email captures, all that good stuff. I think it elevates it and helps people return to that source because of course they're going to like lose the template in their inbox eventually. They'll come back to your post and be like, oh great, where is that again? Um, So I actually do find myself writing a lot of content that is a guide for, let's just say, how to be an event planner for um, hotels, right? So if I'm writing a guide for that, I do find that we will focus on calls to action that will be those free downloadable guides, those templates, etc. So in that way, I think it can support it. It's also additional information. Not Templates are amazing. I really love them. And also, they're not always the solution to the problem. Like sometimes you do need that background information. Sometimes you do need help understanding the context. So depending on the topic, you know, it could go either way. I love to see both in a in an overall marketing plan. Um, but like you said, like it is it is um, efficient to create blog posts consistently. It might be inefficient to complete those other products consistently. So it's like my brain, right? Like this is kind of how like I think of content. I'd love to get your take on. Mm. So like if I'm working like with an event planning software, yeah, or something like that, I'm gonna immediately do something like do the keyword research, do the audience research, and then come back and say like here is the checklist that we can do for every type of event, wedding planning Mm -hmm. checklist, bachelorette planning checklist, bachelor party checklist, right? And now I've got this whole hub of checklists and then I'm like, cool. Now we need to do best restaurants to cater in every city that has major populations where we have users. And now I have this other resource hub. Next thing you know, right, I'm building out this massive, almost like database of like functional content that ties back into the product use case. What's Mm -hmm. your take on a strategy like that? compared to like a typical blog strategy? I think that really works. I think that I actually find that those checklists are part of a typical blog strategy. Maybe it's just been like what I've been working on with my clients, but I think that that's really great. I mean, especially if you're already seeing results from it. I'm also a big believer in if you have something that's working, double down on that and cut the fat elsewhere. Um, 
but yeah, I think that's a really smart idea. I think also if you want to have those templates and you want them to rank for SEO, it's boosting that word count and giving supplementary information that is really high value. So, I mean, we want people to use the templates, but we also want people to be bookmarking the site, sharing the site on social media, emailing it to a friend and being like, this is, this is really great. You should check this out. And I think that, you know, as useful as the resources, you can always use that little extra push and also, you know, whatever's working for you, keep going that direction. I love that. I love that. Now, in closing, people are like tuning in today and they're thinking, okay, you know, like we've had this blog forever. I know blogs are important, but like, it's just not working for me the right way. What's the mm -hmm. number one tip you have for everyone listening to get their blog on track, right? Because it was this thing that was mm -hmm. hot and then it like, it's still not that it's cold. It's like, it's just that it's there. You know, like the older thing yeah. that you just like, it's like, I know I got to get to it, but it's in the corner. So like, what can people do today that should can motivate them to get back to their blog, to bring it back to life? Like, what's that one tip in your mind where they can really go kind of start turning it into a revenue generator for their business? That's, that's a really great question. Um, they should be doing a full blog audit so they can get an idea of where they are. Um, and that includes like building out your spreadsheet of links, doing an analysis of how those are doing in SEO, looking for what is still popular regardless of when it was published. And then again, pulling all that data and figuring out, okay, so what is working for me? How can I use that moving forward? What of these posts are dragging us down and I can delete? What of these posts have a URL that's ranking really highly? I think if you were to just like wipe it clean, you'd be losing that SEO that like, if, especially if it's been on your site for a really long time, that's really valuable. That's, you know, that's space in the marketplace you're already taking up. Why would you just pull yourself from the race right now? So I think doing that full blog audit, um, looking at your links, looking at the SEO, looking at the rankings and understanding that. Even if it's been dormant for a little bit, you probably still have a lot of valuable stuff going on. There's no reason to just completely abandon it. You can start from where you are and move forward. I love that. I love that. So thank you so much, Maria. We are at thank our time. You. In closing, how can people get a hold of you? How can people kind of follow up um, and, and kind of interact with you? Yeah, sure. Um, you can just go to my website, um, www.sassycopywriting.com. And that's sassy, of course, spelled C-F-C. Wow. This is where I'm at. S-A-A-S-Y. Um, those sour candies did something in my head. I'll tell you what. <laughs> They're great. They're so it's nuts. Well, thank you for being with us. Thank you for doing the sour Thanks candy. Thanks for having and, me. Uh, that is sour and sass. Thank you so much.